I am Pastor Chris. I'm our campus pastor here. Uh, pastor Lawrence, our lead pastor, is actually in Indiana right now ministering with one of our churches that we're connected to out there with Pastor Paul. used to be on staff with us here. Um, so he's out there ministering. So we hope things are going well and believe for God to move there. But I'm excited to preach to you guys this morning. You guys ready? Yeah. Man, I, I hope you are. I hope you are. Um, before I get into that, I want to give you one quick announcement that I want to throw out uh, in just one quick plug. When you guys come in these front doors out here, you'll see a booth that's set up. And that booth says Relentless Student Conference. And I know a lot of you guys are not students anymore, uh, but I wanted to tell you a little bit about what we've got going on here at Destiny. And that conference is a conference that's coming up. It's October 21st and 22nd, and it will be an all-day Friday, all-day Saturday conference where we've got speakers from six other churches that are coming in that are partnering with us for this event that'll be here. Um, we will have close to 400 students that'll be on this campus for those two days hearing and being a part of incredible times of ministry, seeing what God is doing in their life. Not only will we have 24 sessions that are going to be going throughout the weekend for students, but we're also going to have breakout sessions that will be going for our adults and leaders as well. Um, so we would love to have you guys come out and be a part and investing in the next generation. If you'd like to do that, you can sign up at that table, get connected out there, and we would love to have you come in and partner and pray with us, even if it's just on a prayer level of what God is going to be doing in the hearts and lives of these students. We've got people coming from Arkansas, Dallas, all over um, that are coming to be a part of this conference. So we're very excited about what God's doing through the ministry here at Destiny. Amen? All right. Now I'm ready to preach. I had to go up to Jeff during worship uh, after he came up and just really encouraged us, inspired us in prayer because I went up and was like, hey, did you look at the notes this morning? Because he started preaching my message. Uh, so that's exciting whenever God is stirring something and he's speaking something. And if you're taking notes today, uh, the title is, When You Pray, The Heavens Move. And see, there's something that we've got to get. And I'm, I'm going to start off with this, and this is what I want you to understand this morning. When you pray, there is power in your prayer. It's not just what we do. It's not our Christian responsibility. It literally is engaging your faith with a loving Father who created all of creation and operating in the power that we have as sons and daughters of Christ. It's a lot more than just saying words. You know, Proverbs 18.21 is the verse that Jeff mentioned earlier, and it's, there is the power of life and death is in the tongue. Think about that for a second. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Have you ever been in a conversation and everybody was excited and laughing and having a great time and somebody else walked in who was having a horrible day and all of a sudden that conversation just, it tanked, right? Why? Because the attitude of the conversation that was interjected. Do you, do you follow me? There is something about even in that scenario, there's something about our words that affect the atmosphere of those that are around us. You ever been and just had a horrible day and somebody came up to you and just smiled real big and gave you a compliment and all of a sudden it's like, I feel a little better, right? There was something about their words on a completely natural level that changed something about your situation and your circumstance. How much more does that apply on a supernatural level when we begin to engage our faith with the promises of God over our life? Now think about this for a minute. If I can walk up to someone who's having a bad day and with my mere words change the attitude of their life for a moment, what can I do when my words are in alignment with the assignment God has put on my life to change a generation? 
There is something about your words and there is power and there is meaning in your words. When you pray, it's not just what we do. When we pray, it unlocks something of heaven in our world. See, we've been able to look at all of these things. And, you know, you know that we actually have weapons now that use sound waves. Do you know that? Like, that's crazy. You know why? Because sound can affect things on a molecular level. Do, do you follow me? Well, why is it important that I talk? I mean, let's be honest. Anybody ever get nervous when people are like, you're in a group and like, hey, will you pray for us? Like, what? Did you, huh? Right? You guys know what I'm talking about? It's like, I'll pray in my heart. I'll pray in my mind. And I'm not bashing anybody for that. But a lot of times we get so nervous to pray out loud and to use our words and to use our voice because, well, what if they think I don't pray good or what if, you know, I mean, there's all these insecurities that begin to come up in that moment. I want to challenge you with something. Your words have power. And if your words have power in conversation, think how much more your words have power in prayer. We need to be bold when we pray. We, we are not just merely having a Christian experience and hoping we do this well. That, that, unfortunately, that's how a lot of us live our lives, but the truth of it is we are an empowered people with the spirit and the anointing of God on our lives that we don't just come in and, well, I hope this happens good today. God, if it's your will, then please let me hit the lottery so I can bless people. That's not really the way it, he designed us to work things out. You follow me? Hope I think I just offended somebody. That's okay. I love you. Jesus loves you. But here, here's what I want you to get this morning. There's more to it than that. He's already blessed you. Do you follow me? Well, if you don't know my week. I don't. But I know that you're sitting here right now and he's already blessed you because you're in a room full of people who love you and want to see the best for God, of God's will in your life. You follow me? But we've got to get the right perspective. And so often, we pray from a perspective of insecurity. I want to challenge you guys this morning. Have you ever, and, and I don't want it to sound like I'm bashing you. I want, I want you to follow the heart of what I'm saying. Because I'm guilty. I've done the same thing. God, if it's your will, help this person. God, if, if it's your will, work this out in my life. Is it ever not God's will for something to go well for you? Is it ever God's will that you walk through a horrible situation? No, God doesn't do bad things to you. God says that he will use every bad thing that happens to you for his glory and his benefit, but that doesn't mean he caused you to walk through the situation. See, there's something about the blessing of God on your life that's released when we begin to engage in the natural. It releases something in the supernatural. I want you to catch some... We talk about this a lot, but it's Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is the Lord's Prayer. How many of you guys have heard the Lord's Prayer before, right? Little kids, that, like, that's the thing. Like, let, let, memorize the Lord's Prayer. Like, I love it. My, my seven-year-old now, when he first started in K3 here, it's one of the things they do. They get up and they recite the Lord. I was so proud. I was sitting down here in the front. I was like, oh, he knows the Lord's Prayer. It's so good. You know how much revelation comes out of that one thing? <laughs> I mean, really. You know how much revelation comes out of every verse in Scripture if we take the time to pay attention and not just skim over it? 
He starts off, the disciples are saying, Jesus, how do we pray? And Jesus replies, when you pray, say. There's something about the words that we say. And we've heard that. We've heard pastor talk about that. But what I want to focus on this morning, I used a little bit different translation because I wanted you to catch this. Verse 9, it says, and this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On where? On earth, as it is where? In heaven. See, I'm going to camp here for a little bit because we, we get this backwards. We try to live our life from the perspective of heaven that one day we can make it. One day we'll get to heaven and everything will be okay. One day we will see glory in heaven, right? And don't get me wrong, there's something great to that. It's just incomplete. Jesus didn't come to get you to heaven. He came to mend a relationship that was broken. When you were created, you were established. Humanity was established on this earth to walk in relationship with God. That was the, that's exactly how they were established here. And you were established to be in relationship with God. Sin is what tries to distract us from the call of God on our life and the place that we were created to live. And we get so off course sometimes hoping that one day we can get to heaven where everything's going to be great. And God, if you would just make earth like heaven. He didn't say, your kingdom come, your will be done in heaven as it is on earth. On earth as it is in heaven. It starts here. You follow me? Why does it start here? Because it's where you live. There will be a day where we won't live here in the earthly natural that we live in right now. We'll be with Jesus. But you know what? Until then, our assignment and our mission is to bring heaven to earth. It's to bring the anointing of God to a world that needs it, that's hurting, that's desperate. Do you realize Jesus walked and preached the gospel? Do you realize that? His life was giving, given to preaching the gospel and making disciples, right? That's what we should do as Christians. That's what I grew up hearing. I want to challenge you for just a second. What's the gospel? Because I grew up learning the gospel was that Jesus died on the cross and he rose again so that I could get to heaven. But I got a question for you. If that's the gospel, how did Jesus preach the gospel? Because he hadn't died and rose again yet. What he preached was not, hey, I'm about to die and come back so you can get to heaven. What he preached is there's something of the anointing of heaven that needs to be released on earth. And I want to see it released in your life, in your situation. The Great Commission isn't just go tell everybody Jesus came, lived, and died, and hopefully we all make it to heaven. The Great Commission is build disciples. It's to live on earth. Like heaven needs to invade earth. It's where we walk up and we see people's situation and we begin to pray with boldness and confidence. I've never read the scripture. And correct me if I'm wrong. If you know one, please come talk to me after because I don't want to preach this a second time if it's not accurate. But I've never read the verse where Jesus comes up and he sees the blind man and says, God, if it's your will, let them see. It's not there. He never lowered, no man was lowered into the room and said, God, if it's your will, let him walk. He knew who he was. 
And he said, get up and walk. He knew who he was, and he said, you are healed. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? He knew who he was. Do we? Do we know that we are sons and daughters of God? Or do we walk around living like we're subjects, hoping for the king's attention? Think about it. Because we live in that place so much where it's like, God, I hope you see me today. God, I hope you see everything that's going on. God, God didn't create you to live there. He created you to walk in relationship with him, understanding the call and the anointing that he's put on your life. You are sons and daughters of God. Stop sitting back saying, God, I hope you do something good and do something good for your world. We've got a lot of people that jump church to church and place to place following the move of God. They go conference to conference. They're always trying to find where it is that God's moving. And we show up to church to watch Jesus move. It's time the church stopped stalking Jesus and started being Jesus. You don't have to hop place to place to see the move of God. It's time that we become the move of God in our world. See, I, I know what I'm talking about. It's not this like amazing message of, hey, God's going to give you everything you want. Life's going to be perfect. Like, you mean I got to do something? Yeah, I do. It's funny. When, you know, I take my boys to a restaurant. We go to a restaurant. We sit down to order food. And they are three and seven. And you know what I make them do? I'm a horrible parent. When that waitress or waiter comes around, you know what I make them do? I make them talk. I make them say what it is that they want to order. Because I'm horrible. I'm so mean. I won't order for them. No, because I want them to grow up and have their own voice when they get bigger. I want to empower them to be able to say what they want in their life. Do you hear me? Because there's a lot of us that live in church wanting God to order for us and take care of our situations for us. And he's trying to empower us with our own voice. There's something that God wants to release over your life and it happens when we use our mouth. Start in Genesis, and there's this really incredible thing happens. It's when all of creation was made. What's it say? God hoped it into existence. He wished it would be there. That God sat back there and he thought in his mind that it would be nice to have people and planets. No, he spoke and it happened. A lot of us, we're sitting in our situation, and we have yet to speak to our situation, hoping that our situation changes. God knows he, your situation. He's empowered you to overcome your situation. He's just waiting for you to move in your situation. You follow me? We've got to stop sitting back and just hoping something happens. But we've reduced, reduced the salvation. <laughs> We've reduced it so much. Salvation is just the introduction to a relationship with God. Do you, do you hear me? 
We've reduced the gospel to salvation when salvation is just the introduction to the relationship with God that he had intended us to have from the beginning. But if I can just get saved, I'm good. Salvation is not your VIP pass. Salvation is your birth certificate. When we start living from that perspective that the moment I got saved, it did not mean I get into heaven and now life's going to be great. It means now we've been grafted into a family and born into a family of a loving father who wants the best for your life, who has all access and all control to everything in creation. And we as sons and daughters have access to the same power. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever been in a friend's house? And their kids are in the living room with you, and maybe you go sit down in the chair, and they come up like, oh, that's my daddy's chair. And then they go play, and you just get up and move to the couch, right? Does that five-year-old have any authority over where you sit? No, but they speak of the authority of the father of the house, and you, and you do respect that. Do you hear me? The authority we possess in prayer is not because we are almighty and all-powerful. The authority that you possess when you use your mouth and you pray is because you are speaking on behalf of the Creator. But we've got to understand we've been commissioned for more. Not just hoping we make it, not just hoping we get there. There's power in the way we pray. There are things that begin to move when we use our mouth. When you speak to your situation, the Bible says when you speak to the mountain, it'll be moved and cast into the sea. Not when you hope this mountain's not in your way anymore. I want to give you a little bit of context of what I'm saying here because this is more than just a good message about being empowered, but you actually were commissioned by God to take control of your situation. Do you know that? Genesis 1 verse 28. This is after God created Adam and he said, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Rain over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. What he did was he created Adam and Eve, and he placed them on the earth, and he gave them dominion over the earth, which was the authority to take control of the situation. Well, yeah, but then they fell, and then, you know, sin came in, and hear me very clearly. Humanity was commissioned to take authority on earth from the very beginning. And when sin entered the equation, that simply meant now you had more of a fight to be who God already called you to be. It didn't revoke who you were as sons and daughters of God. And we can look further on at Genesis 9 after God cre destroys all of creation except for Noah. And when he reestablishes humanity on earth, he gives them a really unique instruction. Anybody guess what it is? Go forth, be fruitful, and multiply and take dominion over the earth. In fact, it reads this way, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, all of the animals of the earth, all the birds of the sky, all the small creatures that scurry along the ground, all the fish of the sea will look at you in fear, fear and power and terror. I have placed you, I'm sorry, I have placed them in your power. 
That wasn't a commission when all of humanity was made that we lost through sin. It's the commission of all humanity for all of eternity that we take responsibility for the situations that we face in our life. We take responsibility for the world we were put on. It's time we stop sitting back as Christians and saying, God, I hope you do something good in our world. And he's sitting there saying, I commissioned you from the creation of earth to do something about your world. Stop sitting back hoping it happens. You were never created to be controlled by what you see in the natural. You were created to take control of what you see in the natural. I want to tell you a quick story. You guys okay with that? I don't ever get to tell stories about my sister, so I'm going to. <laughs> Those of you guys who don't know, it's my sister right here in the front. I want, to, I want to make sure you know exactly who I'm talking about. The one right here in the kind of tealish color covering her face. That's the one. Okay. Uh, so this story, when I was in Master's Division, it was a Bible college program that we had back in the day. It's what we used to call it now. It's basically our intern program. Uh, I was in this program, and we used to do a thing called Hell House. Yep, some of you guys know, all right? Well, me and several of the people, about six carloads of people to be specific, we decided one night we didn't have Hell House. You know what? We wanted to go to a haunted house. So we heard about a haunted house in Enid, Oklahoma. That's where my sister lived at the time. So I load up six carloads of people, and we drive to Enid for this haunted house, and we get there. We're so excited. You know what we found out? It didn't open for like four more hours. What do you do in Enid, Oklahoma for four hours? Eating doesn't take that long. So, I had remembered hearing this story about this haunted cemetery that was out not real far from my sister's house. So I was like, hey, we want to go to a haunted house. Let's go to a haunted cemetery first. It's just the old, like, 1800 cemetery. It's got some really cool headstones and stuff in it. So we load up, and I build this up to everybody who's with us. I build it up good. I mean, they're like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's Indian burial ground. Like, this is going to be great. We start driving out there, and I call my sister. I'm like, hey, I don't have time for questions. I need you to get everybody you can and get to that cemetery right now. I've got six carloads of people on their way. Being the loving family that we are, she said, okay, I'll be there. Just hung up the phone. Didn't ask any questions. She didn't know who. She just loaded up people and went hidden the cemetery. In hindsight, I wish I'd have thought of that when I was in Oklahoma City. That'd have been a great phone call like three, four hours later. You guys coming? <laughs> anyway, we get there and it's creepy. I mean, it's nighttime. It's like probably a hundred yards to the cemetery. We bark out by the road and we start walking out there and I got this friend. He was my best friend, my best man at my wedding. He was with us and he was scared to death. Okay. I mean, he was terrified. So when we got out of the car, he grabbed a Bible and he grabbed one of our other friends, and he walked the entire way holding the Bible in his hand, holding on to the back of the guy's shirt with his face on it. And he walked. I'm not kidding you, 100 yards like this. He couldn't even see where he's going. We get out there, and all of a sudden, we start hearing sounds and noises, and they're whistling, and there was this tombstone. It's an old creepy one, the big cross on top, you know, like you see in a movie, and it was right by this tree. Well, the dude walking in front decides he's going to go see what's over there. He gets, I don't know, 10 feet from this tree and this crazy woman wearing a white sheet and a mop jumps out of the tree and starts swinging it. Get away from my grave. 
And he said many words I can't say in church this morning. But everyone over there began to scream and run, and they, I couldn't get off the ground laughing. They ran, they cleared a fence, and it was like they turned around and car doors shut. It was like off a cartoon. It was amazing. But here's what I want you to understand. They were so terrified by what they thought was. They never stopped to think, ain't no dead person going to drop out of a tree. All right? It wasn't going to happen that way. But they were so afraid of what they thought might be. Hear me, because we live our lives so afraid of what might actually be that we are in fear of who God's called us to be, and we never step into those places of anointing. And we never step into the places of power that God's given us because there's something about the power of what you say that really does take precedent over what you let your mind run rampant with. 1 Peter 4, 7 says, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. There is something about being able to take a step away from your situation and not being controlled by the emotion of a moment or the fear of what might be where we can step back and say, no, this is who God says I am. This is what God says about my marriage. This is what God says about my family. This is what God says about my job. And I'm believing for the truth of Scripture in my life. Do you hear me? God's created us for more than simply to come in and hope it gets better but to take possession of what he's given you and to impact the world around you. Matthew 18, 18. It's the last verse I'm going to give you. It says, I tell you the truth. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. How many things are running loose in your life because you've never stood up in the boldness and the authority of God to bind them and stop them from operating in you? We fight so many battles because we've simply never taken the ownership and the authority that we have as sons and daughters of God. You are not merely Christians hoping that God gives you your, his attention. You are sons and daughters of God who already has his affection. Hear me, because we need to realize that. There's something about the affection of, of God that changes the way we view the world that we live in. There's something about understanding we're not just begging for God's attention. We are not just subjects begging for the attention of a king, but we are truly sons and daughters that already possess the affection of that king. What's the difference in affection and attention? Anybody know? There's a lot of things that get our attention. But attention... That only captures you for a moment. Your affection consumes your life. Do you hear me this morning? What is it your affection? What, what drives your affection? Do we carry the heart of God to our world that when we pray, we're not praying from our own selfish ambitions and desires, but we're actually praying from the heart of a father for the world that's around you? God's called us to walk in the authority and the power that God has given you. Not to sit back and just hope we make it. Not to sit back and, God, if it's your will, be bold about what you're praying for God to do in your life. There is something about when we say, 
when we speak, it releases something of the supernatural in our natural situation. You cannot sit back and say, well, I'm just, I mean, God knows what I really need. There are some things that you will never have if you never ask. Do you hear me? Well, I prayed before and God didn't answer my prayer. Did he not answer your prayer or is it that he didn't do what you wanted him to do? Because those are two very different things. Because it's often that my son asks me for a snack when I'm, when I'm making dinner and I don't give him a snack, not because I don't want him, I want him to go hungry. Do you hear me? I want him to be fed. I want him to be comfortable. But I don't want him to merely have a snack when I'm preparing something larger that's going to sustain him for a further period of time. There are some things you're asking God to do that you want him to provide a snack in your life and he's wanting to release the anointing of heaven that's going to sustain you far longer than what it is you're asking him for. We need to pray with purpose. As the band begins to come back up, I want to challenge you with something today. What is it about your prayer life? What is it about your prayer life that really resembles the heart of God for the world around you? Or does your prayer life look a lot more like a wish list? Because, hear me. When our prayer life looks more like a Christmas list, we probably missed the point. God, I mean, I could, I could really do some ministry if you gave me a new big screen. I could have people over, and we could have some good community fellowship. Come on. I'm not saying anything's wrong with those things. But if our desire is for God to bless us so that we can use that blessing to reach people, we probably need to evaluate the blessing he's already given us and begin to reach people with what he's already given you, with the possessions that you already have, with the authority that you already have. See, God never calls you to do anything he hasn't already equipped you for. See, we step back and it's like, God, I need you so that I can overcome this situation. He's already given you everything you need to overcome that situation. We simply need to rise up in the authority of God to overcome it. And, and let me help you out really quick, because he never called you to do that alone. Last thing, I'm closing here. As the band begins to play, I want, I want you to hear this. Because when, when God gave dominion to Adam, he didn't give dominion to Adam. It was after he created Adam and Eve that they were given dominion to go forth and multiply you follow me. It was when Noah and his family were reestablished on earth off of the boat that he gave them to commit the command to be fruitful and multiply and take dominion over the earth. God didn't call you to be king. There's already one of those. He called you to be in partnership with the body of Christ so that we give a clearer picture of the loving grace of a father that wants to reach into our lives and change our situations and transform a generation.
the problem is so often we think it's about us. And I, I, I want to help all of you out this morning. All of you are, play, are cast to play the lead role in a story. The challenging thing is the lead role you play isn't your story. It's the lives of the people you've been called to impact. Just like their, the part they play, the purpose they have in life is not their own. It's to impact yours. And we cannot impact each other. We cannot change the world that God has put us in to change. If we keep to ourselves, and our prayers are based on us. But when we begin to walk with God's perspective, and we begin to see the world through the loving eyes of a father that wants to reach beyond us, then we truly begin to be a depiction of Jesus. Every miracle Jesus did wasn't because he wanted people to see how amazing he was. It was because he was moved with compassion for the people and he acted in their situation. Are you moved with compassion by the way you live your life? Are you moved with compassion when you step out these doors, when you go to work, when you go to the gas station? Are we so moved with the compassion of God for our world that we want to see it changed? Are we so consumed with us that we just continue to pray our Christmas list? I know I'm, I'm stepping on some stuff right now. But there's something beyond that God's called us to go to. There's something beyond just merely coming in and praying that things get better and actually doing it that takes action, it takes courage, it takes anointing. And it's something that he's already given you. But we've got to understand our place as sons and daughters of God. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me, I, I want to ask you something. If you're in this room right now and you say, I may have accepted Jesus at some point in my life, but I don't truly know what it means to live as a son or a daughter of God where he has my affection and I carry his heart. And you want to this morning. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you really quickly. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I pray right now for every person who lifted their hand. God, I pray that you would help us see the world through your eyes, that we would not be so consumed with us that we lose sight of where you've called us to go. God, I pray that right now you would begin to transform our hearts and our lives, that we would know there is authority in the words that we say. When we speak to our situation, mountains move. When we begin to pray over people's life, things begin to change. There's something of the anointing and the power of God that is inside of us that is released. When in the natural we begin to speak, it changes something about the supernatural of our lives. God, I pray that today you would help us to know more of who that you have called us to be. And that we would know you more intimately, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.